The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 82. Talk about the psychology of weddings with Leah Weinberg. Leah Weinberg is the owner and creative director of ColourPop Events, a New York City-based wedding planning company that lives in the logistics, providing an unmatched focus on event details for clients. Leah's colorful work and party planning tips have been published online and in print with Vogue, The New York Times, People, CNBC, Bravo, Martha Stewart, and The Knot, among others. Recently, Leah has been recognized as a 20 on the Rise winner by HoneyBook and the Rising Tide Society, one of 25 young event pros to watch by Special Events Magazine, and one of BizBash's top 500 event pros in the U.S. A 2020 wedding pro educator with the Knot and Wedding Wire, Leah travels throughout the country sharing insight with her peers regionally, as well as at national conferences such as Alt Summit, NACE Experience, and the Special Event. And today, Leah is with us to talk about her brand new book that's out this week, The Psychology of Weddings. Go grab your coffee, friends. Grab your tea. This is a great episode with one of my besties, Miss Leah Weinberg. Let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, here with one of my closest friends and someone who I just think is a brilliant human, Leah Weinberg. Miss Leah, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you for that amazing introduction. Well, I feel like we should tell the people that like we've roomed together at conferences. Yes. <laughs> like we, technically, we've lived together in very small, um, you know, small groups of time. So, like, we're tight. Yes. Yeah. But that's good. I think people like hearing conversations with people who actually know each other because it's different when you actually have the in-person connection and it's not just made online. I For sure. Yeah. It changes the vibe completely. So yeah. yeah. Hopefully folks and will enjoy that. Hopefully. Uh, today we are talking about honestly something that started, I mean, my involvement in this project is minimal at best, but I knew about it back when we first went to Engage together in 2019. You were talking about this project and I'm so thrilled for you that it is out in the world. So we're talking about a book that you wrote called The Wedding Roller Coaster, but it's really about the psychology of weddings, yeah? Yes, very much about like understanding behavior and emotions um, in the wedding planning process of both the people getting married and the myriad of people that are around them during that process. Oh God, all the people that are around them. Um, <laughs> what like what motivated you to do this book? Like, tell me the journey for you. Yeah, it started with a conversation that I had with one of my clients. Um, I obviously go into more detail about the the conversation in the book, but essentially had a conversation with one of my clients who was having an argument with a parent, and I gave her some advice and counseled her 
really just through observing what I thought was the underlying cause of the behavior. And so it wasn't really obvious on the surface what her dad was upset about. And I was able to kind of give her a little bit of insight into what I felt like it was so that it took the temperature down a little bit on the argument and maybe helped her to take it a little bit less personally. I think that was one of the, the big goals is when you understand why somebody's doing what they're doing, you can tend to understand that it's not your fault and it sometimes has absolutely nothing to do with you. So you can take it less personally. But yeah, after that, that conversation, I was kind of surprised at the insight that I had in that moment. And it made me think back on all the weird stuff that I've seen as a wedding planner and throughout my seven-year career and the advice that I've given to clients and decided that I wanted to write a book about it. And so I bought some psychology books so I could actually put actual terms to this behavior that I was seeing and to help explain concepts to people, but then also throughout just weave stories about my experiences and give advice and all that stuff. I love that. I think the longer you're in the wedding space, the more of like a de facto, you know, unpaid, untrained therapist we all become. <laughs> yes. And, and I know people, people really, I know a lot of wedding planners really rebel against that idea. Um, and I think it depends on your personality and what you what you focus on with your clients. For me, relationships are huge. So I am very much getting involved in like personal lives and working with parents and wedding party and all of those people are kind of a part of the journey for my couples. And so I'm very focused on my relationships with all of these people. So yes, I fully admit that I become, you know, de facto counselor, therapist, all that stuff with them. While I know that some people do not want to get that involved with their clients. But I think even if you don't want to get that involved with their clients, it's so powerful to have this, this knowledge anyway, so that you can know what's happening so that maybe you yourself aren't taking things so personally, because I think that's a, a trap. I think business owners, especially planners fall into, because I think sometimes there's this I don't know, there's like this expectation that we're friends with our clients, which I don't necessarily feel like I'm, I know I'm friendly with them. And, and some of them, I really do count as friends, but I don't ever try to be like, become their best friend. And, and I think that maybe it somehow plays into that, like that psychology of like, even the way our couples are reacting to us is not personal. Yeah, that, that brings up two points for me. One is that you do definitely have to have like what I call the separation of church and state um, and making sure that at least during the planning process, that even if you are friendly or friends with them or kind of invested in them, that you are keeping the relationship separate because at the end of the day, you are a service provider that they've hired. Um, but then the other point that comes to mind that you mentioned about taking things personally, I think that's a huge lesson that we can learn, especially during COVID right now and some of the experiences that people are having, because I know that a lot of vendors are getting requests for things that are contrary to their contracts. If couples are having to cancel, people are asking for non-refundable retainers back and, you know, emotions can be running high at this time. And I think from the vendor side, if we understand that what our clients are going through, it's a period of extreme stress and anxiety. Um, and that's only exacerbated by COVID on top of all that, that them asking us these things is not a critique of us or their dissatisfaction with us or our services. It's just they're scared. They feel like they're not able to have what they want and they want their money back. And so they're kind of coming at us 
in an emotional way. And so if we can understand like what's causing their behavior and know that it's not really us, it's just a manifestation of the situation, hopefully we can take that a little bit less personally. A hundred percent. And I also think too, well, I was just, I was just thinking about my own wedding, right? Like a million years ago, but um, you know, in my wedding, my dad featured pretty heavily, like my dad, you know, paid for half of it. It was a lot of his friends were invited. Um, and so he got a, pretty big say in, in how things went. And, and, you know, happily, like my husband and I were like, whatever Mike wants, like let's whatever he wants. Right. But at some point during the process, it was before we sent out invitations. Um, my dad was, uh, let go from his job, his very, very lucrative, high powered job. And, and it was unexpected. And, um, and I remember I had a call with him where I was like, Hey, we haven't sent the invites. I don't need this big fancy wedding. Like we can just undo it. Right. Like we can undo what we can we can get married at city hall. I honestly don't care. And he was like, no, we're having this wedding. And I, in that moment had to say like, oh, this actually isn't about me anymore. Like this is about him and something to look forward to. And, and the psychology of that moment was so crystal clear to me in that conversation where I was like, okay, yes, this is not about me. This is not per like, it's personal to me and that he wants to do a nice thing for us, but also like he needs this just as much as the family needs this. We all need this. And I Absolutely. think about, yeah. And I think about that sometimes because I think without those moments of like potential hardship, which of course now we have, we have tons of examples, but like, I think as a wedding couple, as, as one of the marriers, you don't necessarily um, have that crystal clear moment where like, it's not just about you. There are other people here who have emotional weight and emotional investments into this day. And although it is, you are the person of the, you know, the people of honor, the people that are being celebrated, um, you have to allow that other people have, um, investments in this as well. Is that what you think? Like, do you see that often? Do you think that's why weddings are so complicated? Oh, for sure. That's yeah. definitely an element of it. And I have a whole chapter about like pride and ego in the book, because there's to an extent like that absolutely happens. And the degrees vary, of course, you know, if somebody's financially contributing or paying for everything or depending on how much money they're spending, a lot of times the contributors are doing this obviously yes at the core they want to honor their child and have the celebration for them and celebrate them but sometimes a lot of it's about impressing the contributors own friends and family and looking good and like being um you know kind of like a spotlight in the community for that moment so it Yes, it can definitely come into play. I mean, I've heard, so this wasn't a couple of mine, but I heard from a friend who was approached by, I think it was, let's just say one partner's family was paying for the wedding itself. And then the other partner's family came to her and said, how much are they spending on the wedding? We want to spend that much on like the rehearsal dinner and welcome party because they didn't want to be outdone. So yeah. Yeah, there's definitely varying degrees of how kind of intense people are about using this as a way to impress others. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually had that as a wedding planner. I've had that pretty pretty much the same exact conversation, although in our case it was there's this old fairly arcane rule rule, quote unquote, that the groom's family pays for the bar at the wedding plus the rehearsal dinner. Yep. I don't know, certain cultures believe this, right? So, um the first time that was ever presented to me as a wedding planner, they were like, exactly how much is the bar? And I was like, oh, the bar is like wrapped up in the rest of the, how much is it? And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> like everyone else wanted to know everyone else's finances. So yeah, it does get emotionally complicated. And then, you know, also like 
I always have a conversation with my couples pretty early on about like, hey, what does your family makeup look like? Where where are you in the family? Are you an only child? Are you the oldest? Are you the youngest? How, how many people have gotten married before you? Because all of that plays into the emotionality of everything, right? If you're the first, it's going to be really different than if you're the fifth to get married in your family. Totally. And in my case, I'm an only child. So I already knew that my parents were like, this is our one shot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they were in it, let me tell you. Yeah, as an only, also an only child. Um, it was interesting. My dad ended up being way more into it than my mom was. Yes, um, because, you know, daddy's girl kind of thing. Yes, and so, okay. like, I remember when I first got engaged, I bought him a book that was like Father of the Bride or something like that and tips. And of course, <laughs> it had all, you know, this was however, 2012. So even then, it had all these like really arcane, like, rules and stuff. But um, I felt like that kind of helped him get his bearings for what on earth was about to happen. Yeah, my dad was all in. He hired like extra entertainers to come to cocktail hour. He was so pleased with himself. And, you know, Joe and I were just like, yeah, whatever you want, Mike. Like at some point we were like, like he had, he's like, I only want to serve duck and not chicken. I was like, great, we'll have duck. Like really at the end of the day, whatever makes you happy. I, I think I was such a chill bride because I was already in the industry and we, mm -hmm. I was 30 five when I got married. So it was like, yeah, dad, but this is also a party for you. So whatever, it's fine. <laughs> also, we have a similar taste, so I like it. It's fine. Um, but I think people are surprised when I say that about my own wedding. Like, really, you weren't like a bridezilla. I was like, well, I mean, I was super type A about things, but I allowed for other people's opinions. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a different mindset for a couple to go into their planning with. It's like, you know, how much um, input are you going to take from those around you? And also like, others people qualified to give input do you like their input or is there other things going on is there other um issues family issues mental health issues like you know his history issues that are going on that you have to sort of take into account when you're making these these decisions yeah and us as the vendors we have to be clued in on that i mean especially oh, okay. as planners yes. we have to be clued in on that information because yep. that is critical yeah. um because we we're in the business also of just frankly managing people so we yep. need to know what's going to happen and what to expect on the day of so that we can plan for that stuff in advance yeah and i yes 100 percent. and like i think uh, it's always a true mark to me as a wedding planner when I ask my clients, like, do you have any problem children in your family? It's like, quote unquote, what I call them, like, do you have any problem children that are going to be here? Because even adults can act like children, let's be honest. And when they finally say like, oh, yeah, I have this one uncle who's a little, mm, you know, and my mom can be a little, I'm like, great, tell me all the things. Tell me everything. Like, tell me your cousin who you think might steal the gift cards. Like, just tell me. It might not happen. But let me just put it on the notes so we know to look, what to look out for. Because you're right. At the end of the day, we're managing the whole event. But we're also keeping an eye on these people to make sure that they don't like, you know, I don't know, not not rule the day, but just create undue stress, right? We don't yeah. need all this stress. Yeah. And sometimes I know that we like, as we're talking about it, it kind of sounds funny. But I mean, I've had multiple circumstances where um, the couple getting married was afraid that unwelcome family was going to crash the party. Oh, yeah. And so oh, yeah. we actually had to hire security and give the security photos of them photos. in case they showed up. Fortunately, yep. nothing ever happened, but yeah, I mean, you, it can be as serious as that sometimes. Yeah. I've had that. I've had the same exact thing. Um, in a few cases, like, you know, pages of photos of people that were not welcome, like not pages, not like hundreds of pages, but enough that you're like, <laughs> okay, let's print that out. That's just yep. not like one person. Okay. <laughs> love it for vendors that are not wedding planners. Right. What is the benefit to them to read a book like this? Like, because it's not just us that has to manage the day. Right. I think. 
Yeah, I mean, especially every every vendor kind of has their unique role in the process. And so like everybody's got their part in the day and they still need to understand all of this. Also, I think it's going to really help you with your client service and to make a more memorable experience for your clients. Because if you can understand what they're going through and be able to name things and give words to their experiences and their feelings and be able to validate their feelings, give them permission to feel it, but then also have kind of the insight on some like tips and information ways you can kind of help counsel them through that, they're gonna really remember that experience with you. And it's gonna be a pretty phenomenal experience if you're able to help them navigate those things. Also, like thinking of those in the moment things like I'm thinking, thinking way back to my first year, there was a wedding we did where the bride confided in me that her mom was kind of an attention stealer, right? Like she, she actually said to me at one point, I I wouldn't be surprised if my mother wore a white dress. Like that was the relationship, right? Yep. And I remember saying that to the photographer because in my mind, I was like, that kind of translated to this woman might try to take over the photo shoots, right? Or yep. like micromanage the photo shoot or be in the like, and sure enough, mom tried to stand in between the bride and groom <sighs> for for the family photos. And, and the photographer later said to me, hey, I'm glad you told me because I was, I think I did a pretty, you know, slick job of like managing that without drawing attention to it. And then much later, the bride came back to me when she got the photos back saying like, Hey, thanks. You know, thanks to the photographer. Like we actually saved all of our family photos. Cause she's like, I wouldn't have used them if my mother was standing between us and all of them. Mm-hmm. And like, it sounds like such a little thing, but when you think about the ramifications of that, like generationally, right? Like if the mom really were to stand in the middle of those photos, people's super grandchildren, awkward. super <laughs> awkward. And people's <laughs> grandchildren would be looking at going, what was she doing? It's like, well, okay. We have to try to save people from their, from themselves sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all that, like all wedding vendors, I feel like at some point are going to be in the position of being the buffer. And so, yeah. you know, you kind of just knowing what to expect in advance and kind of what to do in that moment and thinking through things is really important. And then your example was really great because I'm such a believer in communication. So as a planner, communicating with all the vendors and just being like, you know, frank and honest with some stuff, you know, even if it's uncomfortable to talk about, it's like, hey, I want to prepare you that this is going to happen. And so keep an eye out for it. Um, and so making sure everybody's working on the same team and talking, communicating is really important as well, because we're all kind of having to manage this experience and this day and everything leading up to it. And we've got to be on the same page and talking to each other about it. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, I really don't have any problem saying to a fellow vendor, like, look, I hope this doesn't happen, but this might happen like with the mom or like if we have like drunk uncle, right? Like, yeah. hey, bartender, this guy right there in the brown blazer, he might be have a tendency to overdrink. I just want to put it out there. It might not happen, but let's just be on alert. Like, I'd rather have that than like, oh yeah, I should have told you mom was kind of a problem. Like, let's just be honest. I'm yeah. with you a hundred percent. Yeah. So we have to talk about COVID <laughs> because it's do still, we? It's, I mean, we do in the, in the context of your book. So, yeah. you know, for those of you who listen every week, I, I've really been trying to like weigh, uh, like talk about COVID, but then not and talk, you know, because it gets heavy. But in the case of the psychological aspect of weddings, part of me feels like we just don't even know what the ramifications are really going to be, but we can guess. What do you think? Oh, 
So many feelings on that. I mean, I think like just taking a step back and looking at the world as a whole, I we don't yet know what the psychological impact is going to be on the people that are in areas, particularly like New York City and LA that have been essentially locked down for 11 months. I mean, I've seen, I can count on one hand, the number of people outside of my household that I've socialized with. Um, so we, we're not going to understand and be able to grasp that for a while. And then, um, I mean, we have to understand what couples are going through right now. 2020 sucked for all of us to manage postponements and cancellations. And I know that we all kind of hope that 2021 was going to be better. And then I've got to be honest about my situation and some of my friends that I've talked to, like we are right back where we were. I've had an April wedding postponed. I've now had a May wedding postponed. My next wedding is June 12th. And that one is, you know, we, we aren't sure what's going to happen. And so we're having to experience this emotional toll again. Our clients are, especially for couples that postponed from 2020 to 2021, hoping that everything was going to be okay. And that's the case with my May couple. And so now they're postponing again. Um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it feels like it's never ending. I I will just for, you know, to be honest with everyone, like um, my entire quarter one and quarter two have all rescheduled now. They've all oh. postponed again. So, um, and you know, LA is, we're in a tough position. Our numbers only very, very recently started to decline. And I mean like a few days ago. Um, and so we're in a really tenuous position and and as much as I, you know, I feel like we don't really know what the end of this is going to be. I will say as anecdote, like very short story here. Um, my, my last wedding was February 29th, 2020. I was, I was actually able to do two weddings before the quarantine happened. That last wedding, my couple lives in New York, but the bride's mom lives in Pasadena. And I had a bunch of their like ephemera, like in my office, I had like odds and ends, right. That I took the day of the wedding and I was like, I'll get them to you in a week or two. Well, of course we all know what happened. So a few months ago, bride's mom emailed me and said, Hey, I know things are still kind of bad, but do you mind dropping off that stuff at our house? You know, we don't have to, we don't have to see each other. It can be socially distant. I'm like, no, no, of course I will. So she was the first person outside of my immediate, like my husband and my dogs that I had seen. And we did not know how to talk to one another. Like mm. we kept, we kept talking over one another and neither one of us would stop talking. We literally just like word vomited on each other. And then I got back in the car. And then later I emailed her and I was like, I'm really sorry. I haven't lit. I literally haven't had a conversation that wasn't virtual with someone in months. And now it's been over a year. And I wonder, even on that base level of like basic interaction and communication, like we are going to see a difference in how we interact with one another. And once we are able to gather, uh, for those of us in places who really can't gather at all, I think the the vibe at weddings is going to be um, completely different, right? Because it'll I think it'll be a mix of like hesitation and like, oh, should we be doing this? Is it safe? I feel like it's safe. And then at some point, I think it's all going to be like party, party, unleash. Yes, I yeah, for sure. Once there is that general level of safety and confidence and just comfort we're going to see weddings like never before. I'm not of the mindset that like micro weddings are going to become the new trend for the foresee for like, you know, past COVID because yeah. people are going to want to celebrate. They're going to want to gather. They're going to want to hug their friends and family. Um, but yeah, it's so weird. I mean, I had a similar experience. I didn't go to, my husband did the like grocery shopping and everything for the first several months that we were in quarantine. Cause New York was just really bad for those first few months. 
of everything. And I will never forget the first time I like went out and I was at Dwayne Reed and the checkout experience was so awkward because like, I just didn't know how to act. And like, I was, they asked me, you know, if I needed a bag and I just got, was so thrown off and just, it was (laughs) so awkward and embarrassing. Yeah, we're all gonna have to relearn like basic social graces when this uh, is all like going to Starbucks. Like, how to order at Starbucks? Like, how does that even work anymore? I don't well, know. Well, thankfully, my Starbucks around the corner, which is a drive-through, they know me by name. So nice. when I pull up and they see my little, they can see me in the video. I look, they go, "What's your name?" And I go, "Renee." And they go, "Hey, Renee." And then they like, "Do you want your iced tea?" I'm like, "This is sad, but yes, I do." That's it's the crazy. only place I go because it's, yep. I, it's like I could walk there, but I don't because it's LA, so I drive. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Um, so back to the book and back to how much of the book is about COVID is my question. Oh, so actually the main, the book itself, none of it is because I've pulled out a COVID chapter. And so that's going to be, um, that's available for a download for free. Um, and the reason I did that was because I hope that this book obviously continues to be wildly popular into the future. And I didn't need people being reminded of COVID every time they decided to read it. So I've made the COVID chapter completely separate. But yeah, it goes through like all the emotions that couples might be feeling right now from sadness, depression, embarrassment, at like having to cut guest lists. I mean, that's something that's like really that I know a lot of people are kind of like talking about it on a practical level. But like, I don't know that we're talking about it as vendors, but couples having to cut down their guest list by like 50, 100 people is so awkward to have to uninvite somebody to your wedding. So, yeah, yeah, I really can't imagine having to do that to, to my own. I mean, we had giant, Joe and I had a, for us, like a ginormous wedding. And so even having to cut that down, we'd still be at 150 people. And I still could, I couldn't, I just, we couldn't do it. Yeah. So there, yeah. I and get it's, it. Yeah. So it's that and like feelings of grief and that it I go through all the, the five stages so that people can kind of understand. And then um, also as part of it, I'm giving couples essentially discussion questions to talk about amongst themselves and their family and any stakeholders in order to determine what they want to do about an upcoming wedding, about, you know, do we want to have it? Do we want to make the modifications? Do we want to postpone again? What are we comfortable with? You know, all all those kind of both practical and emotional questions that couples have to ask themselves as they're now faced with, you know, uncertainty about whether their wedding's going to happen on the date as planned. Yeah, it's um, wow, it's just so it's so much, and and I love that you mentioned grief because I, one of the things I would love to be able to do with whatever platform I have in this world is to really normalize talking more about just basic grief. I know Mm -hmm. in our society, we only talk about grief when someone dies and that isn't, it's not factual. That's not how it was. That's not how it feels. And, and I think one of the things we have to address as we at some point move out, move out of COVID times into, you know, healthy times is the fact that we're not only grieving the people that we've lost through COVID, but, but everything, business relationships, income, our clients' relationships. I mean, I haven't had a client break up because of COVID, but I wouldn't be surprised if people listening have. Yeah. No, I mean, I had, yeah, I've had one of my best friends is going through a divorce. Yeah. These, a closed quarter situation with someone who maybe the relationship was tenuous before yep. this, like this, you know, this prolonged isolation with one another, <laughs> paired isolation, uh, that, that'll do it. And I think we have to just start normalizing the fact that it's okay to grieve all of these things and that there are stages of that. And it's not just like, oh, shrug it off and move on. Like 
that's the deep work of, the, of coming out of this phase healthy is to do that work and the acknowledgement and then the work on on coming to terms with it all. Yeah. And it's hard. And I've like tried to, you know, I've thought about how to process it and everything. Still, I don't think I've done it. <laughs> Not that I don't want to say properly because, you know, everybody does right. what they need to do themselves and in their own way. But it's just like, I just like, kind of like you said, we just can't, we're still not at the stage where we can grasp the magnitude of all this because we're still in it. And that's what's really messed up. Is that right, right. We're still in it and we don't know like when it's going to be over and when weddings are going to happen again, like, like normal. So right. yeah. It's right. It's, and, but then on the other hand, right. Uh, at least for me right now, like last night I booked tickets to go to New Jersey because my niece is getting married and she lives in an area where weddings are completely allowed. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, because like here, I can't, you know, go to, I can't go eat in a restaurant, but yeah. where she lives, wide open. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, it's never going to not feel uh, completely bananas to me. Yeah. Well then, I mean, the big part of that too, I think there becomes this like sense of jealousy and resentment when you're in places that are locked down and have more restrictions, when you're seeing what other people are doing and able to do and people traveling and stuff. Um, I mean, I have a friend that lives in Australia where they've nice. done an excellent job. Excellent uh, job. And she went to a concert, a oh. Ben Folds concert a few weeks ago, and she's going to the Australian Open tomorrow. So I'm just like, I love you, but also I am really resentful so jealous yeah i have a friend i have a friend who lives in utah and they were at a spa the other day and and i was like come on like come mm. on. i don't want to see you in a jacuzzi <laughs> so mad but like but you know that, that's because i was literally just bemoaning the fact the other day that i haven't been to the korean spa in like since like november 2019 Ugh. i looked it up on my calendar to be like when was the last time i was there um, these are all quality problems. I'm just saying these are all first world problems, but it, but it is part of the, it will be part of the getting back to whatever is the grieving of what we've lost, whether, yeah. whether that's relationships, business, clients, normalcy, interaction, <laughs> conversation, whatever. Um, and so I just, yeah, I always just want to take a moment to pause on that and talk about it because I don't want us to gloss over all of this. And then whenever we're allowed to gather again, or wherever it feels like we're getting back to normal for everyone's going to have like this weird, I think, disconnect in mm -hmm. like, this should feel normal. Why don't I feel normal? Yes. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a getting used to period in terms of spending time with people, um, you know, going out places, being in a movie theater, taking the subway, going on airplanes, like, and everybody's going to have different levels of comfort that's going to take longer or more or less time to phase in than other people, which is going to be interesting to see too. Right. That's a really, yeah, that's an excellent point. So I know this is the first book that you've ever written because I'm your friend, but um, what what is it like launching a book during COVID? <laughs> what are you I, doing? What's it, what are you excited about for it? I know. Well, I owe COVID, frankly, for giving me the time and the space <laughs> to, to even be able to get this done. I mean, I talked to you about it in December, 2019, cause I'd, I'd put pen to paper by that point. Um, and I'd been talking about the book for probably maybe even like a year before that. So I had a little bit done going into 2020, but this just time really kind of gave me the, again, the time and the space and the energy to be able to get this done. I'm really excited about it because 
I'm really optimistic that it's going to be useful for a lot of people and that it's going to be really helpful for couples. It's going to be incredibly helpful for vendors, for the people around the couple when they're getting married, family, friends, wedding party, that kind of thing. And I think there's a gap in the market for something like this. There's not, you know, there's tons, obviously, of wedding books on like how to plan a wedding and the actual logistics of planning a wedding. And then there's some books that encourage you to kind of like make it your own, do it your own way. Don't listen to anybody else. Just kind of like, it's your day. You do you. And then what I'm kind of taking is the approach of, yes, it's your day, but you can still manage and navigate healthy relationships with people around you in that process. And so that includes the relationship you have with yourself, with your partner, with family, with the wedding party, with friends in your greater community. You can really focus on being thoughtful and gracious during this process and still end up with a wedding that feels very much like you and your partner. Love that. And I love this book for vendors as well, because I think it gives us the language um, yes. to be more emotionally um, adept, I mean, or or like communicate in a more adept way about people's emotions and what they're going through. And espe- I think this book is especially necessary for those vendors who don't feel like they have those connections with their clients, right? The ones who feel like, well, I'm not their friend, I'm just their service provider. And I, I do agree with that, but I think we still have to have the language for it. We still have to have the tools, right? Um, and in a way, we're almost like a coach, yeah, like a what like what a life coach would be, but just for weddings. <laughs> yeah, wedding and life so, coach. <laughs> and the book in the book, I talk about empathy and I talk about emotional intelligence. And so, like again, understanding what your clients are going through is going to help you connect with them and be able to guide them and really understand what they're going through. And it might, I mean, honestly, like if you start connecting with your clients in a different way, like let's say you're a caterer, you know, and usually really just outside the wedding day, you just interact with them at like a tasting. But if you can figure out how to connect and bond with your clients in a different way, that might even be more fulfilling for you as a vendor. And you start getting like more out of this job that you're doing. That's an excellent point. I love that. I love the example of a a caterer because that is someone that we kind of see as like um, a little bit of a little bit outside the full process, right? Like they're obviously integral to the day, but as far as the journey, they're a little bit, like you said, on the outside. So um, I love this, Leah. I'm so excited. I'm so like, can I say I'm so proud of you without it sounding condescending? I hope it's not condescending. I'm just so proud of you for like saying, I'm going to do this thing and then just doing it. You did it, girl. I did it. Yeah. I'm really, really beyond excited. I've had a handful of people review like initial drafts and stuff and the feedback's been really great. Um, And just in, in conversations with people telling people what this is about, everybody's just like, this is so needed. You're hitting on topics that people don't talk about. I mean, I talk about prenups. Um, Ooh, yes. And, and normalizing prenups in this book, um, which I feel, which people have told me is a very unexpected topic to touch on. So yeah, they're normal we, in LA, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're okay. not a bad thing. And I want to no. explain why, you know, I go into explaining why, but yeah, we touched, it really just kind of like touches on it all and tries to really just go through a whole wedding planning journey. And like, there's, 
some fun stories, some kind of like horrifying bad behavior. Well, I don't want to say bad behavior because I try very hard not to judge, um, but just kind of like unusual behavior <laughs> stories and like questions. We have yeah. questions. Yeah. And, and wedding planning tips and all, all sorts of stuff. So like really it kind of, it really covers a lot and is really rich of with information. So I hope people love it as much as I do. I'm sure they will. So where can they get the book? The book is available through Amazon. So you have the option of ordering like a digital Kindle version, or you can get a paperback version. Love it. And so I will put the links in the show notes. Um, Leah, where can people find you on the internet? I am colorpopevents.com is my website. And then I am at colorpopevents on all the social media platforms. If you do want to find me on Clubhouse, I'm Leah Colorpop on there. Yay, Clubhouse. We are going to do a Clubhouse episode, uh, a Clubhouse room in uh, conjunction with this episode. So um, stay tuned for information on that. Dear listeners, you know I love you. Thank you for spending your time with us. We know your time is very valuable and we do not take it lightly. Leah, thank you for being here as always. I love you. Thank you. Friends, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at ReneeDallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 